you just say yes to the Holy Spirit today? Yes. Come on. I'm, I'm really asking you. Will you say yes to the Holy Spirit today? Yes. Hallelujah. I say yes. Yes. I say yes. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus, and we give you our yes. Father, this is not our service. It's your service. God, we yield everything about us to you, Lord Jesus. We pray the Holy Spirit would have his divine way today. Lord, we recognize, Lord, it's not about talent. It's not about strength. It's not about ability. It's about the Spirit of the Lord, Father. Father, you can reach down and you can touch our hearts. You can untie the brokenness, God. Lord, you are able to rebuild us and make us think new. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I give you my yes today. Lord, I say, come on, 24. I give you a yes in 24. I want you to have a yes today, but I want you to have a yes every day of the new year, Father. As I yield myself to the moving of the Spirit of God today, Father, I pray, Lord, have your way in this service. Have your way in the hearts. Touch every heart, Lord. Touch every person in Jesus' name. We open ourselves to you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we pray that you would infuse hope in this place right now. Father, we feel the brokenness. We feel the brokenness, God. I pray right now that the God of hope, the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace today as we walk with you. As we seek your face, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Someone sent me a word from the Lord this morning. She said the Lord had given it to her sometime, but had not released it. But she felt like the Lord was releasing it today. Um, word of encouragement to the congregation. Um, and it says, it starts off with a psalm. It says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. There are many who have faith believing this for others, but you don't feel worthy of it. The Lord is saying to you today, turn your eye uh, around and see yourself as I see you. Your self-worth is not what you think of yourself, but what I think of you. Believe in hope once again for yourself and look forward to the new year with my hope in your heart, not yours. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just receive that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, that I believe, Lord, that you are speaking hope to this congregation. Father, so we, re we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I have just a couple of uh, announcements for you today. Uh, most of you probably know this, but Lewayne Wagler, um, his mother passed away middle of the week, and they are burying her this morning. And um, she has had Alzheimer's for about the last 10 years. And so it's been a very difficult um, thing um, to watch your parent go through something like that. And, and he spoke these words to me. He said, we know that we lost my mom years ago. And if you've ever dealt with Alzheimer's, you understand 
what that means. And um, But still yet, that body laying in that coffin is mama. And um, so we, I just want us to pray for LeWayne and his family. Uh, we went to that um, visitation last night, and it's a big family. And um, Mennonites do things just a little differently. And But it, it was so wonderful to see the community come together, the brotherhood. And so they were sitting in a, in a circle or semi-circle from youngest to oldest, the children, probably 10 of them at least, 11, 11 of them. They've been caring for their mom. Uh, each child's been taking a week for the last several years coming in and, and, and caring for her for a week. It was Dorcas, um, Lewayne's wife that found her um, deceased, I think on Wednesday. Um, but it, obviously we stood out like a sore thumb. We, uh, <laughs> we were coming back from Cincinnati and, um, Treva had pants on. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, they knew we were visitors, I promise you. But they were so receptive of us, so loving of us and wanted to know who we were. And, and so just really a sweet, sweet family. And, um, and I know, you know, when you, when you, have something like this sometimes you feel guilty for feeling the release and for the the fact that there's a lot of responsibility just been taken off and you will feel guilty for that and i want us to pray specifically that they would not walk in guilt um, but that they would they would be able to see that their mom's in a better place so father god we just come before you today i thank you lord for lewayne and dorcas and these five children Lord, for those uh, 11 siblings, God, or 10 siblings, God, I pray that the peace of the Lord Jesus would be upon that service today. And Lord, that people would feel the peace of the Holy Spirit and the hope of God. Father, Lord, that we may be committing a body to the ground, but Lord, that soul, that spirit is already in heaven with you, Father, as a believer. Lord, rejoicing she's in her right mind. So, God, we come against any kind of guilt, Lord, that they may feel like the devil wants to accuse the brethren. So we bind that in Jesus' name, and we just release, Lord, that hope, love, and peace, Lord, upon each member of that family, upon their children, God. This is a big family. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're updating some of our records. and. A uh, bunch of you, we don't even have your phone numbers or your birthdays or anything in our records. And so it's back there on the welcome table. If you've never filled out anything, um, we would love to have your address, your phone number. There may be at some point you might need us to show up at your door. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I do not show up with an offering plate, I promise you. Um, so, but, you know, a lot of you, if if you called me and said, hey, we really need you to come out. You'd have to send me your address first. And chances are, after you send me the email, these words will come following. Who is this? Because <laughs> I have no record of who you are. That's just not the way a church should operate. You know, so we need your a little bit of information. I promise you, we will not ever uh, ask you for money or do anything like that. But update your records for us if you would. Also, starting um, in January, on the second Wednesday of each month, 
um, at six o'clock, an hour before service, we're going to have a leaders uh, meeting. And we're asking you to come. If you lead a Sunday school class or any kind of group in this building, we're going to ask you to come. And uh, the church is just, we're to the point where we, we need to communicate better. And I need to communicate better with you, and you need to communicate better with me. And we can only do that. I, I do not like long meetings. I, I don't like meetings, period, honestly. And so this is a real twist of my arm um, to say, you know, I just really felt like the Lord was saying, I felt like the Lord told me last year, you need to start doing this. And I took, Jesus, that's an awful confession. <laughs> took me a year to say yes on that one. And uh, so anyway, we're going to try our best. And it, it may change. It may flux a little bit. And that, and that's all right, but it's, um, but we're gonna, uh, try to do what the Lord is asking us to do. I entitled this sermon, by the way, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, Merry Christmas, and we got to be with our kids, um, Thursday, Friday, or actually Friday and Saturday, uh, for Christmas and the New Year's together, and it was wonderful seeing them. I, I have not had a, a wonderful week as far as feeling good, um, but it seemed like that helped me. I'm just being with my kids and my grandkids. And um, we uh, went down to the basement and was playing ping pong with the kids, and they beat me like a, <laughs> just a... I used to be the one that beat all my kids in ping pong, they just beat me like a drum. And so, but but my five-year-old grandson, every time I lost, I, I don't know if it was my face or walking back to my loser's chair, but he'd come up and he'd hug me and he'd say, I love you so much, Poppy. And I'm like... I don't mind losing so bad. <laughs> it's so sweet. Amen. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a portion of Scripture that may be just a bit confusing to you. I think it is to many people. And so if you would, turn in um, your Bibles, either on your phone or your Bible. I personally like a physical Bible. But John chapter 16, verse 5 through 13 it says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Let's stop for just a second. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's saying, guys, it's better. I got to, I got to leave. I got to get out of Dodge and it's going to be good for you if I go. Now, I promise you there was not one disciple that agreed with him. There was not one of them that was saying in their mind, yeah, that makes sense. Jesus, you need to leave because the last three years have been really rough with you, you know, healing people and making uh, coins come out of fish's mouths and, you know, feeding 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread. You know, it's just been really rough following you, Jesus. Why, why don't you go away? To the natural mind, that made no sense until, until he tells us why. Folks, do you realize if Jesus was still here on the earth in the physical manifestation, we couldn't get to him? Couldn't get to him. If he's in Nazareth, the people in another city, you know, they, they, they had to track it down, right? They had to go to him. 
But in us today, because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is right here in this building, but He's also in China. He's also in Russia. He's all over the land and uh, in churches everywhere and hearts everywhere. And we at one time can lift our voice to the Lord and He hears us. We don't have long lines waiting. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I don't like to wait. He says, but when He has come, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this scripture. God, I pray that you would just lead my thoughts and my mind today and you, you would anoint their ears and their thoughts and their, uh, and their heart to receive the, the word of God in the way that it was sent to us so that we would leave this place full of hope, full of excitement, but also an inquisitive spirit on who is this Holy Spirit? And do I need to know Him intimately? And do I need to allow Him to move in my heart? So God, we're asking some questions and we're going to try to answer some questions today by the Spirit of the Lord. So Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight. For You are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, we went over the vision of the church. The vision of the church is to be a house of prayer, a house of love, to preach the word and to reach the lost. And then we talked about the mission of the church and says, we are called by God to be an outwardly focused body of believers. Inwardly, we are prepared to serve as people come. Our mindset is one of love, putting others first, not self-promotion. Each person is gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve and carry the light of Jesus into a sick and dying world. So today I guess I might be honing in a little bit on that last line. Each person is gifted by the Holy Spirit. It's funny how Satan has done a trick on the church. And the the devil has made some people afraid of the Holy Spirit. Where we're like, I don't know if I can trust Him. Can I just say this? The Holy Spirit is God. It's a third part. If you trust God and if you trust Jesus, you need to trust the Holy Ghost. Now, does does that mean every time someone says and speaks and says, this is from the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is saying? No, we mess up all the time. But don't blame the Holy Spirit for a man lying. Sometimes it's well intentions. Sometimes we just, we just miss it. But the Holy Spirit is faithful. The Holy Spirit is truthful. And you need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and don't keep him. You know, they literally have a term for this, uh, pneumophobia. Pneuma means spirit, phobia, fear. There are people that are afraid of the Spirit of God. 
I'm very serious. It's like, well, you guys act a little spooky. (laughs) Trima said the other day at work, they were talking and, and she said that some of them, she was right there in the midst of them. And she said, some of them were saying, have you guys ever been to a Pentecostal church? (laughs) And someone was saying, yeah, yeah, I've been. And they finally looked at Trima and said, have you ever been to a Pentecostal church? And Treva said, I am Pentecostal. <laughs> but in this region, when you say you're a Pentecost, they think you got your hair in a bun, you're wearing a skirt, no makeup, ugly. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm so That was a, a bad joke, okay? <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? They think it's about how you dress. It ain't about how you dress, guys. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, speak to you, and you actually listen to Him. It's not about doing strange and stupid things. We've been guilty, but don't blame that on the Holy Ghost either. So what I really want to tell you is this scripture says that when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll convict you of sin. He'll convict you for not believing. We talked Wednesday night, and I said, you know, if I talk about certain sins, the church gets real excited because they're not your sins. But if I talk about gossip, if I talk about unbelief, church gets quiet on me. Why? Because I'm hitting too close to home. But in Hebrews, it says this Heart of unbelief is evil. It's it's amazing to me what the church tolerates. We tolerate unbelief and doubt. We'll even even say, oh, it's okay, brother. It's okay if you're having some doubt. No, it's not. It's not okay. You need to cast that off. Cast that fear off. That's not of God. Fear torments. God doesn't torment. So he says, I want, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to convict of sin. And I think every person in this building understands that, right? We've all been convicted of sin. And then he says of judgment. Well, we know there's a judge, a judgment day coming. We know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who died on the cross for us one day will be our judge. Or at least our lawyer for the judge. And I hope that doesn't scare you. But I I, I promise you this, you are accountable for your actions. But here's the part that throws us. He says he will convict us of righteousness. And it's like, you mean I have to be convicted of righteousness? So I think sometimes we don't really understand what that word means. I don't think we understand. You know, even the word convict is not in the scripture much. The old King James says, reprove you. He'll reprove you of righteousness. In other words, he will convince you of righteousness. You know, it's sad to say, but the church needs to be convinced today that God wants you righteous. I got a, 
I can tell I'm going to have to preach today. You guys are going <laughs> to make me work for this. Okay. So righteousness, very simply, is right standing with God. It's that which is right. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be sin for us, so that we might be become the righteousness of God in Him. So we don't stand in our own righteousness, because that's going to lead to pride. We stand in the righteousness of Jesus. Isaiah said, my righteousness compared to God is as filthy rags. I'm looking not to be righteous in my own, but to be covered in the blood of Christ so that I can stand righteous in Him, right? Thank you. Thank you for your excitement. Praise the Lord. <laughs> in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, he says to pursue righteousness. In Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he said, we should live soberly. I just threw this one in here because today is December 31st and tomorrow's New Year's. <laughs> That's not the sober that you might be thinking of. But if that keeps you sober, then you just keep thinking that way, okay? <laughs> we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope. That's actually verse 2. Looking for the blessed... Do you know, if you believe that the rapture of the church is imminent, could happen any day, you know that, you know that's going to make you live a little better? Well, maybe not. <laughs> Makes me live a little better. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, that was the teaching of Jesus. I'm supposed to hunger for this thing called righteousness. It should be a desire. It should be a go. And the Holy Spirit says, I want to convict you of righteousness. And it ought to start making me hungry for it. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalms 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I'm going to tell you something. Whether you're righteous or unrighteous, there's plenty of problems to go around. But we have a promise when you're walking with Jesus. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any kind of people. <laughs> We need some righteousness in America. We need it in the White House. But we need it in the church house. It's not going to start in the White House until it starts in the church. So we have got to begin to walk in the righteousness that He wants us to walk in. He tells us that He came to convict us. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. You hear that? It's different than condemnation. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit and it's drawing us closer to Jesus. It's the first stage of repentance. It's bringing things out of the dark into the light. And before, until you bring something, you know, with the 12 step programs and those things, you know, they've got to admit, first of all, they got a problem. 
I heard one preacher say, the gospel is the good news, but sometimes you got to start with the bad news before you tell them the good news. Right? The bad news is you're a sinner. And you're going to hell without the blood of Jesus. Right? Have you ever sinned? Yeah, today? (laughs) The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? So one of our prayers should be, convict us of righteousness, God. Do you know what I think that means? First of all, I think this. You need to be convinced that God wants you to be righteous. Two, that you can be righteous. Because people see their righteousness as only what they're doing. Well, I'm not righteous because I lied. I'm not righteous because I did this. Folks, if our righteousness is based on our activity, there's not a person in here is righteous. And there's not a person in here is going to heaven. Our righteousness is not based on us. Now, are we to do our part? Absolutely. He says in, in Romans chapter 6, don't yield your members, this body, don't yield it to unrighteousness, but yield your body to the, to the, to righteousness. That's as believers. Jeez. You guys are hard to preach to today. <laughs> so we know that that God is wanting to do in us something. We know that He is wanting to develop a desire to be more righteous, not less righteous. See, I, I feel like the church is giving a pass to the believers. Like, it doesn't really matter how you live, just say this prayer. And I got, I got news for you, that's going to send a lot of people to hell. It matters how you live. It matters that, that you are born again, washed in the blood of Christ, and that you are walking with Him every day of your life. So I said more in 24. More righteousness. What if we had a whole congregation that was seeking the righteousness of God in their life in 24? And that we were spurring each other on. I... I wanted, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord says, I want you to tie this into Romans chapter 8. So I, I begin to read Romans 8 with John 16 and begin to try to make a connection. And Romans chapter 8 first says, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. So you've got to understand that condemnation and conviction are totally, two totally different things. Conviction is from the Holy Ghost. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction draws you to Jesus. Condemnation is like putting a foot on your head and pushing you down. Condemnation will tell you, you can't be righteous, you've never been righteous, and it's not in the cards for you. Condemnation will say say things like this. You may convince those people that you go to church with how goody two-shoes you are, but I know the real you. That's condemnation from the enemy. That's not from the Holy Ghost. I know that sounds so simple, but I meet people every day that tells me what Jesus has been talking to them about, and I'm like, that ain't God. 
God loves you. I hope you're convinced of that. God loves you and God wants to see you do well. God's not looking to strike you down. God's looking to build you up. And the way He does that is through righteousness. Through the the Lord's righteousness. He goes on, He says that we're free from the power of sin. Oh boy, this is good news. Even if you enjoy sin... Ain't no Christian going to admit that. But the truth of the matter is, we do enjoy sin. The devil didn't make you do it, folks. You chose to do it. It's your choice. And every day, we have choices. Lots of choices. Will I brush my teeth today? I hope you said yes. (laughs) You know, the Bible says that sin has no dominion over you. So why do I have this sin problem? Why do, why am I wrestling with this thing so much? Because I'm allowing this thing so much. Because I'm feeding that old man so much. I watch six hours of TV every night and read three verses of Bible and I expect them to balance out. Who are you fooling? It don't work that way. The reason the church is anemic is because we're powerless. Because we had not been with God in a long time. <laughs> I'm so glad you love me. <laughs> the second thing I see is, what is the definition of a believer? Well, it's one who said the prayer. No, it's not. A lot of people pray. A lot of, yeah, the Bible says the demons believe, tremble. They're still going to hell. Definition of a believer is one who no longer follows the sinful nature, but instead he follows the Spirit of the Lord. (laughs) Does the sinful nature dominate my thoughts? There's the battle, guys. I'm serious. I'm not preaching perfectionism. I'm preaching striving. I'm preaching. Let's let's add some effort to what we believe. Let's let's believe this and let the Holy Spirit move in your life. Believers are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not the lust of the flesh. <laughs> Man, I could preach a sermon on every one of these statements, guys. And if you don't get with the program, I'm going to have to. You know, the Bible says, I think it's in Ephesians, you that used to steal, steal no longer. But work with your hands. You know what that tells me? It tells me that may still be a temptation to some people. You know, I find that Christians have a problem with lying. It's just a little easier to lie sometimes. It may be easier, but that don't make it right. Christians aren't supposed to lie. But what what is dominating our thoughts? 
Are you allowing the Holy The Holy Spirit will give you the courage to stand up and say, yes, I did that. I was wrong, but yeah, I did that. Rather than try to lie yourself out of it. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> The sinful nature controls your mind and it leads to death. So if you're really struggling with sin, it's because you're not controlling this. The more that you take captives your thoughts, the more victorious you're going to be in what I'm preaching today. I just, the Bible says, don't make excuses for your flesh. Well, I'm just, I'm just bad-tempered. I'm Irish. Bless God, I really am. <laughs> and that does not give me an excuse to go off with my mouth. Okay, the spirit-controlled mind is life and peace. Our sinful nature is hostile towards God and never obeys God, never tries to please Him. And yet Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. <laughs> and all my life growing up, I seen that as a threat. I seen Jesus saying, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That's the way I heard it. And now I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying at all. I think he was making a statement so that we could analyze ourselves. I think he was saying, you know what, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What, what, what is the most important commandment that he's talking about? Love God. That's the royal commandment. To love God and to love people. See, if you love me, you're gonna, you're going to want to please me. And pleasing me is to follow my way. It's not a threat. God's not trying to kick you in the seat of your pants. God's just laying it out there saying, here, this is going to be a dividing line for you. So, uh, you know what? Scripture says that we should judge ourselves. One day we'll stand before a judge. I want to make sure that I judge myself before I stand before that judge. See that I'm right with him. As a believer, the resurrection power of God lives in you. This is all in Romans chapter 8. The resurrection power, the power that brought Jesus out of that grave, now resides in you. I believe it does more than just takes us out of the grave into heaven. I believe the resurrection power of God is the, is the power that allows us to live for Him. Have you ever met somebody that says, well, I just can't live for God? Just agree with them. Yeah, you're right, you can't. You, and I promise you, you cannot live for God. You cannot live this righteous life that I'm preaching to you. You cannot do it by yourself or in yourself. It's going to take the resurrection power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, moving in you, giving you the conviction to say no. Believers have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Thank God. 
That man right back there just said that. He told me when I was a kid, when he got saved, that God delivered him of several habits that he had done. He, he was old enough that he, he had habits. <laughs> and he said God just delivered him of habits, just bam, 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 except for one. And I think that was his mouth. I'm not for sure. I think it was his language. And he said, that one he made me work at. You know, all my life, I've, I've had a really bad temper. And so as a kid, I can remember praying, God, take this bad temper away from me. I mean, I've gotten fights in school. I punched kids and, well, we, we won't go into all that. <laughs> but I just, I had a lot of anger inside of me. And I'd say, God, I mean, I was just, I get, Lord Jesus, please deliver me that. You know what? He never did. You know, you know, some of our prayers, God says no. But you know, He says no with a promise. No, I'm not going to take this away from you, but I could show you how to overcome it. And so every day of my life, Now, I would love to tell you that I have conquered this battle. (laughs) But somebody with no sense will meet me at the door and they'll say something or do something that's going to want the spirit of slap to come upon me. (laughs) Guys, do you remember the scripture that Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. That's Is that not you? I, that's every one of us. There's there's a battle inside of us because the old man doesn't die at salvation. I wish, I said Wednesday night, I wish we could take the old man out and shoot him. But it doesn't happen that way. The old man dies one way and it's from starvation. It's the only way the old man dies. You've got to starve him out. Fit, quit feeding that one. Start feeding that spiritual guy. How do you do that? You do that through prayer. So a lot of Christians are very confused about righteousness. You know why? Because we've lost a lot of scrimmages. You see, yesterday, if I had a good day and I prayed and I read my Bible and I didn't say nothing dirty, hallelujah, I come out of this thing saying, I'm righteous in Jesus. But if quite the opposite happened, and I find myself, my mouth going off, gossiping about somebody, if I'm saying things I ought not say, thinking about things I ought not think about looking at things I shouldn't be looking at and you ask me are you righteous pastor oh hell Mary full of grace father thou right Jesus forgive me I don't feel righteous and thank God he said you don't walk by feelings you walk by the word of God you walk by faith again we don't make excuses for the flesh so we got to close some doors. There's some doors that this church needs to close in your individual life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and then NLT says, We destroy every proud obstacle 
Do you know that Christians sometimes get eat up with pride? You remember the prayer of the Pharisee and the prayer of the, the sinner? And Jesus said, don't, don't pray like that Pharisee. Oh God, I'm so thankful I'm not like that one. I find that's sometimes the way the church prays. So God deliver us from every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And this is the part I want you to get. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Teach them? No. Teach them. you got to teach yourself to obey Christ and to bring down the thoughts that are not godly. Right now, you have to believe that God is leading you to victory. Regardless of how you feel. You may not feel victorious. There's probably people in here that don't even feel saved. I'm preaching better than you guys are shouting. I won't tell you. (laughs) Are you following me? Just because you lose a scrimmage doesn't mean you need to get saved all over again. You know, those people worry me more than anybody else in the church. The people that get saved every week. I appreciate their heart. I really do appreciate their heart. But I recognize there's some bad teaching there. There's bad doctrine there when you do not see yourself as born again just because you did something wrong. There ain't one of us going to heaven if God expects perfection. Going to heaven is about believing in Christ, not your actions. And now, when I say things like that, then I feel like i got to go back and say, but your actions matter. Because <laughs> God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be righteous. But we are in a battle, guys. And I'm going to tell you, it's not getting easier. It's getting more difficult. Because now the battle is really us against all of society. You know, where there was a time in America when being a Christian was just who our nation is. That ain't so today. We're a long way from God. I thought about this. You know, there's so many Christians that got all their hope in, a, in Trump. My hope is in the trumpeter, not in Trump. Right? One day, the trumpet's going to sound. Folks, don't get tied up into this. Are, are, are you hearing me? Don't, don't get tied up. I'm not saying don't vote and don't pray. You pray about who to vote for. But we are told so many lies on both sides of the issue. If you're not leaning into the Holy Ghost, you're not ever going to know the truth. The end of Romans 8 leaves us with so many promises, wonderful promises. 
And I wanted to read them to you. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you, the Bible says that even when you don't know how to pray, you ever been there? You ever been to the point where I, I don't, I don't have, I'm not smart enough to even know how to pray for this issue? Well, the Holy Spirit is. The, you know, the Bible says God, the Holy Spirit will listen to what He's saying and He'll bring it down to me. I like that. So we need to pray according to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays the perfect will of God when He prays through you. The Bible says the whole earth is groaning, and you are groaning too. You know why? You remember when your wife had a baby, or maybe ladies, you remember when you had a baby, and those groans, you didn't have to manufacture them. They just started coming out. The pain was great, but it was for the joy set before you, right? You let every lady, you just hand her that healthy baby, and she's been through the night of hell, but when you hand her that baby, all of a sudden that smile breaks out on that face. Was there groaning? Yes. Is there groaning right now on the earth? Yes. Is there groaning in you? There ought to be. If we knew how close we were to the coming of the Lord, there might be more groaning than what we knew. God causes all things to work together for the good. It's what His Word says. It doesn't say that all things are good. Everything that happens to the believer is wonderful. Hallelujah. What a big lie. Not everything that happens to believers are wonderful. But we have a promise from heaven that God says, I will take the worst things that happen in you and I will turn them and bring good out of it. If you love me, if you're called for my purpose. Jesus has given us right standing with God. The righteousness. The fact that one day we will stand before a holy God and not be consumed. It's amazing. Why? Because of... When I walked in today, I thought, that cross is shining brighter than I've ever seen it. Thank you, Jesus. I think he's trying to show us something today. This righteousness affirms that God has chosen us to be his sons. Let me say this for you, O Pentecost. Not to be his whipping post. To be his sons. God brings you into the family of God so he can reward you like a son. You're part of the family. Since God is for us, who can be against us? You ought to memorize that one straight out of Scripture. Because there's going to be days when you think everybody's against you. And you just need to remind you that if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm on the winning side. This verse, I think it's verse 32. God will not withhold any good thing from us. Do you hear that? God will not withhold any good thing from you. He started with Jesus. I I mean, you know, when you have Christmas just coming out of Christmas, you always give your kids the cheap gifts first, right? You want to start a wetting the whistle, build them up just a little. Well, you you better open this one. It's underwear and socks. You know, they don't get real excited over underwear and socks. You know, when I was a kid, we got an orange. Hallelujah, bless God. (laughs) But it's the last gift that he gives. 
It's, so he starts with the, with the, with Jesus, his son. He starts with the best. Only God does things like that. He gives us Jesus. And then he gives us the Holy Ghost. He said, you being evil, if you would give your children good gifts, how much more will I give the Holy Ghost to you? Like the best gift he can give is the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost comes and resides in you. It's not on you. It's not before you. It's in you. No one can accuse us or condemn us because Jesus paid the price and His resurrection resurrected and sits at the Father's right hand. Then He ends this chapter with these verses. He says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe we ought to spend some time studying the love of God. Knowing how much He loves us. Rather than the condemnation from the enemy. I'm convinced that if people understood how much God loves them, there wouldn't be a sinner in the world. Why would you run from someone that says, all I want to do is give you good stuff. I want to be with you in the troubled times. That's not natural. That's supernatural. He's divine. And He's in you. And He says... I want to convict you of righteousness this year. I want you to be more righteous in 24 than you were in 23. Are you willing to say yes to the Holy Ghost? Will you say yes? Sign me up for that, God. That might mean that I have to subtract some things from my life. That might mean that I don't get to do my own thing all the time. But I say yes, because your way, your will is so much better than mine. Would you stand with me? The Holy Spirit is coming to convict us of sin. We get that. To convict us of judgment. We get that. And now I pray that you get this one. He also comes to convict you of righteousness. To tell you, righteousness is a possibility. You know what's so good about righteousness? Once you get it, once you understand that you are righteous, that you are in right standing of God, it changes the way you pray. You don't pray like a dirty worm of the earth. 
You don't come to the Lord saying, oh God, I don't deserve anything. Yeah, you do. You do deserve something. Before you got saved, you deserve the wrath of God, but He paid that price for us. So now the wrath of God is not coming for you. The goodness of God is coming for you. Let me say one more time, and I promise I'll close. You can trust God. You hear me? You can trust Him. If He says He wants to do good towards you, it really is good. He's not going to play the old switcheroo. He promises you one thing and then gives you a knock on the head. God doesn't do that. God wants to bless you. And the blessing is in righteousness. It's in knowing Him, serving Him, a hundred percent, not just partially the way in. I don't know what the Lord is going to ask of you in 24. But you can't do the same things you've been doing and expect different results. I could really get to meddling right here. And boy, it sure is tempting to do it. But I'm going to leave it alone. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to meddle in your life. Because He knows you better than I do. But listen to him. See, I I know probably 90% of you really well. And I know how close you are to victory. I feel it in my gut. See, I don't think the Lord is coming today saying, we need to do an overhaul in you. I think the Holy Spirit is coming saying, We need to tweak some things. It's just a couple of things where you're thinking wrong. A couple of things that I've got to get you to see a little differently and it's going to change your life. Uh, do Do you receive that? Let me pray for you. Jesus, I have delivered the message that I have felt you burn in my heart. Not just put in my heart, but you burned it there. God, I pray, Lord, that our ears have been open to the Spirit of the Lord today. And Father, I, I believe there may be some people here that have never said yes to the Holy Spirit. They've never said yes, come into my heart, Jesus. And so, Father, my first thought, my first prayer is for them. Lord, I, I want to make sure that every person in this building has you in their heart. So I pray, Lord, for them. And I pray that they would pray this with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want to be in right standing with you. I want to know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. So I ask you to forgive me of not part of my sins, but all of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray right now, that you would open my ear to the voice of the Lord so that I can respond when you speak to me. So Jesus, I'm all yours. Come and inhabit this temple. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for the the rest of the church.
I pray, Lord, that we would be open and willing to the small tweaks, to the adjustments that you want to bring for us in this new year. Father, every year I resolve to do some things. Lord, it's been 30 years and I have resolved to lose weight every year. And it usually lasts till lunchtime. So, Father, I know in myself these resolutions don't go very far. So, God, I'm not asking you just to make a resolution, but I'm asking you, would you come alongside and give me the power to overcome, to make these adjustments in my life? Will you help me? If I say yes to the Holy Spirit, will you help me, God? Because I need your help. So I ask you, Lord, right now, Lord, help me to be that man of righteousness, to be in right standing. I pray, God, that like you said, that I would literally hunger for righteousness, that it would be a goal of mine that I would walk in righteousness with you. God, this is only something you can do. I pray right now for the power of the Spirit of God to be upon every one of our hearts to seal these decisions right now by your power. In the precious name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I think Denny is out of town, isn't he? Amen. Raise your hand. Don't beat me to the door. Give me just a second, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Now go in peace and serve the Lord. Folks, have a wonderful 24.